Good morning or afternoon or evening or perhaps even middle of the night filled with messages, friends. Thanks for joining me today. Due to the coronavirus, a lot of us have had hopes and dreams and plans and expectations unravel over the last month or so. And as they've fallen apart, we've experienced a whole host of emotions, sadness and frustration, anxiety, even anger. I think a lot of us have also wondered where God is in the midst of all of this. We're not the first people who love God and who have had our plans fall apart. We're not the first people to wonder where God was in the midst of all of the unraveling of our lives. Listen in to hear a little bit more about how God's people have found hope and have found ways to keep going in the midst of dashed expectations and hopes and dreams. A friend of mine had big dreams for 2020. She was going to travel internationally for the first time. She was going to have a big blowout destination 40th birthday party. She was taking steps to manage her work-life balance after spending the last decade building a career. 2020 was going to be her year. But then days before her international trip, it was canceled due to circumstances beyond her control. She was devastated, but understood. She shifted her focus to her big birthday bash, even designing t-shirts for the 10 of us who were joining her to wear on her big day, the things I will do for my friends on their birthdays. Then COVID-19 came into our lives and she started holding her breath. A week before the trip, our hotel closed and she had no choice but to cancel the celebration. Oh, and that work-life balance thing she was working on? Yeah, we won't even talk about that. My heart has broken again and again as I've watched my friend lose dream after dream. All her hopes and expectations for an awesome 2020 have been destroyed in three short months. I've done my best to lament with her, console her, nudge her to set up a Google Meet birthday cocktail hour, which was a blast but still wasn't Vegas. Her heart is hurting so much. Her faith has been set on edge by all the pain. She thought God was on board with these plans. She thought God wanted her to celebrate and delight in life. Today's scripture passage at first glance doesn't seem like one in which hopes are being devastated. Yet it is. The crowds who waved their palm branches and shouted their hosannas that first day of Holy Week so long ago and the disciples assisting Jesus as he triumphantly entered into Jerusalem, they all had expectations which would come crashing down over the next week. They all had to process the pain and confusion of unraveled dreams. Hear these words from the Gospel of Matthew 21, 1-11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey in the cold and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, 
while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Will you pray with me? Jesus, our hearts are hurting right now. We've had so much chaos and pain and confusion to experience over the last couple of weeks. So we ask you to quiet our hearts and minds so that we can hear you speaking to us, so that we can hear you giving us hope. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The crowd and the disciples were feeling triumphant for all the wrong reasons, writes one scholar about the first Palm Sunday. The crowd had become more and more excited about the possibilities of what Jesus might do for them as the gossip about his ministry grew to a fevered pitch over three years. In his miracles, they saw incredible power. In his teaching, they heard real hope for the future. Added all together, they thought Jesus was the one who had come to get their nasty puppet king, Herod, off their backs. They thought Jesus was the one who was going to root out Roman rule. Then Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Not quite what folks were expecting. Normally a messianic figure, and there had been a few throughout Israelite history, came riding in on a mighty steed. But hey, there was that one ancient, dusty prophecy from Zechariah saying the Messiah would come in on a donkey, so maybe the beast of burden was a good sign. They shouted their hosannas a little louder, waved their branches a little more energetically, allowed their hearts to beat a little faster, started seeing visions of Jesus kicking some Roman tukas. Heading into that Sunday, the disciples were also pretty excited about Jesus. They had seen Jesus up close and personal. They had testified he was the Messiah, and Jesus had confirmed their suspicions. They began to have visions of fulfilled prophecies dancing in their heads. They started watching for the desert to bloom and the dry bones to rattle back to life. Jesus tried to warn them it wasn't going to work that way. He told them he was going to die, and Peter scolded him which prompted Jesus to utter the words, all of you who gave up chocolate for Lent have uttered many times in the last 40 days, get thee behind me, Satan. Again and again, Jesus outright stated that he was going to suffer and be killed by the Jewish religious leaders. Again and again, Jesus implied that he wasn't the type of Messiah they were expecting. But even his closest friends didn't get the message. They just kept on dreaming about who they wanted Jesus to be. Their wrong expectations kept building and building. They were more and more convinced that God was finally making their hopes of freedom for their political oppressors a reality. But things started to unravel that first Palm Sunday morning and kept unraveling throughout the rest of the week. First, there was the donkey instead of the horse, but both the crowds and the disciples could overlook that. There was the cleansing of the temple, which was a little weird. Jesus was supposed to be focusing on kicking Roman behind, not kicking over tables in the most sacred Jewish space. 
Jesus's comment while he was throwing out all the money changers was disconcerting too. Why was he talking about the temple being a house of prayer for all people? Sure, all people were welcome, as long as they fell in line and kept in their place. But why was Jesus focused on them rather than his fellow Jews? All of that was more or less ignorable, but when Jesus started provoking the Jewish authorities, the disciples and crowds started to worry. The Jewish authorities might not have been as bad as Caesar and his cronies, but they had hair triggers. Anyone who seemed to be stepping on their toes was probably in for a world of hurt. Sure enough, Matthew tells us the chief priests and the Pharisees were trying to arrest him, but they feared the crowds who thought he was a prophet. I suspect the disciples tried to get Jesus to back off, or at least mind his words, but then he called the Jewish leaders hypocrites. Not smart. It's decidedly harder to lead a revolution from jail. The unraveling of the disciples' dreams didn't happen any slower when they were alone with Jesus. Jesus, almost casually, told them the temple would be completely demolished. An incredibly devastating idea for Jews, as it was the heart of their faith and community. Then Jesus allowed a woman to pour very expensive perfume on his feet and wipe it with her hair, which caused the disciples to go apoplectic. Their reaction caused Jesus to scold them, and then, a few days later, after sharing a special meal with them, He said, tonight you will all fall away because of me. In other words, you are all about to betray me. Not really what you want want to hear your teacher say. The dreams and expectations of the crowd and the disciples had frayed throughout the week. But whatever remained intact finished unraveling as they saw this person on whom they had placed all their hope, arrested, put through a mock trial during which he refused to give a defense, crucified, a punishment saved for the worst offenders, and died. The crowds quickly forgot about Jesus. He was just one in a string of guys who might have been the Messiah, but then wasn't. The disciples, however, had given up everything for him. They were devastated, heartbroken. They began to question their faith. Friends, families, strangers gaslighted them, telling them they were crazy to believe, stupid to follow, ridiculous to have had faith in that guy from Galilee. In fear that they would be punished because they had dared to have hope, the disciples hid. All of us have dreams, visions, expectations that unravel. It's especially heartbreaking when we prayed about the things which are unraveling, when we thought God had blessed these hopes and goals. What do we do when we find ourselves in these circumstances? How do we respond when it feels like God doesn't care about our future? How can we have peace when life is heartbreaking? Jesus knew his disciples hadn't heard him when he told them he was going to die. He knew they weren't prepared for his suffering or their own. In John's Gospel at dinner on Monday, Thursday, After he washed his disciples' feet and Judas left to sell him for 30 pieces of silver, Jesus gave one last long sermon. In it, he shared with his disciples how they could get through the unraveling of their expectations about him. This encouragement Jesus shared with his disciples can also help us when our hopes and dreams are breaking. 
love one another, Jesus began. It's so much easier said than done. When we're suffering, when we're anxious, when we're feeling out of control or lost, we tend to end up lashing out or isolating ourselves. But loving one another requires us to stay connected and to be kind and gracious to one another, both of which are vital to help us getting through life's unraveling. Jesus continued by encouraging us to trust God. Again, it's so much easier said than done, especially when our dreams are unraveling. But remember Jesus' teaching from years before. Faith the side of a mustard seed can move trees. In other words, don't worry if your faith is hanging on by a thread. God sees it and will honor it. No, you have not been orphaned. When our dreams are in tatters, it's natural to wonder where God is, if God still cares. It's natural to be angry with God and be tempted to grow distant from God. But in response to these feelings, Jesus promised peace to his disciples, those who walk with him that first holy week and those of us who do so today. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not be troubled or afraid. When you're feeling orphaned by unraveled hopes, lean in to find Jesus' peace. Jesus also encouraged his friends to wait for the Holy Spirit's guidance. Waiting is perhaps the hardest part of our faith. But Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to guide us, to protect us, to be our companion on life's journey. Wait expectantly, because unfortunately you can't rush the Holy Spirit. There are still a lot of problems in this world, Jesus acknowledged towards the end of his sermon on that Thursday night. Sometimes it seems like there is more pain than there is good. But Jesus said, take heart, have hope, because he has overcome that which causes the brokenness of this world and is in the process of redeeming us from it. Love one another. Trust God. Know you have not been orphaned. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Take heart. Which one of those things do you need right now? Would focusing on loving others help you get through your unraveling dreams? Would trusting God help you manage your pain? Would remembering that you have not been orphaned give you hope? Would waiting for the Holy Spirit give you vision for the future? Would taking heart give you courage to keep going? Which of Jesus' encouragements is speaking to your heart about the unraveled dreams, hopes, plans with which you're struggling? What parts of Jesus' advice can you sow further into your life to help you get through the pain of unraveled dreams? The good news of all the unraveled dreams of the crowd and the disciples that first holy week is that God resurrected their hopes into something better than they could have ever imagined And God will do the same thing for your broken dreams. For our God is one who rolls away stones and empties tombs. Friends, thanks again for listening today. I hope this message brought you encouragement. Towards the beginning of the sermon, I quoted from an essay by Deborah Reinstra called The Problem with Palms. I thank her for her work and her wisdom. As you go about your day, may you find God lifting your head.
May you lean into Christ Jesus and find peace. And may the companionship of the Holy Spirit help you to wait expectantly for rolled away stones and empty tombs. Grace and peace, my friends.